<clears throat> Every day, all day, we stand at the Thought Buffet. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to the message where we spend a lot of time talking about what that looks like. The Thought Buffet. Making choices on what we're going to think about. And I gave the picture of a buffet where some of the dishes are what God wants us to think about, and some of them, and the, but they're surrounded by other things that can look very similar, but aren't unless we're very, being very discerning and very particular about what we choose. And in, um, we'll look at the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, in verses 8 and 9, he gives us the list. And so when we're making the choices, we need to work through the list, run through the list to see if those thoughts um, apply. Those thoughts are, are qualified to things that we should be thinking about. So as I've been thinking about this whole idea of the thought buffet, there's so many applications and intricacies of what that, how that we live that out. Um, I realized that so much, so many of the choices that we make have to do with what we believe. As I stand at the, as I stand at a food buffet and I make the choices, I'm making choices based on what I believe. Do I believe this is going to taste good? If I believe it's not going to taste good, then I'm not going to choose it. When I'm at my best, do I, I try to make choices. Do I believe this is good for me? Rather than, do I believe this is going to taste good and just fill me with sugar? When I'm standing at the thought buffet, I'm making choices according to what I believe as well. This word believe is an interesting concept. It's an interesting word. And I put some notes in there for you. What it, what it means to believe. And this is something that I have conversations with people, generally people who are um, new to Christianity or just coming to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, this idea of believe, because the Bible talks about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's important that we understand what that means. In our culture, believe means an intellectual assent, intellectually nodding my head, and it's evidenced on words. It's evidenced by words. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, believe, the word believe is to consider to be true or honest. So to believe something is, I believe that that is true. To believe in something is, yes, that's true. Or to accept the word or evidence of something. So it's, it's an intellectual, it's a mental assent of saying, I believe that. Or to hold as an opinion. I believe that the Steelers are the best NFL team. I believe that the Ohio State Buckeyes are the best college football team. <laughs> I believe. It's an opinion. It's a belief. I believe that. In the New Testament, what we discover is that there's a difference. Believe involves mental assent, but to believe something is to trust it, is, to, is a complete reliance upon something. 
to have confidence in it, to have faith in it, to put my feet where my words are. So to believe in the New Testament isn't just to speak words, but rather it's to put it into action. Um, and so there, are, you know, and we've talked about this before. Is there are people who pray a prayer, and and then they believe that they have become a Christian by praying these words because these words. But the intent of their heart is that they they just want pain to go away. They just want life to get better, and and so they have culturally Amer- in our American culture they have believed something but they have not believed as the New Testament tells us to. In our uh, loyalty lessons, our daily Bible readings, we, we read in Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. He was a prophet by vocation. He had experience being a prophet. Believing and serving Yahweh was a part of the job description. And, and he would, and so at the, in chapter one of Jonah, what we find is God comes to him and gives him an assignment. At that point, Jonah would have said he believed in Yahweh. He was serving Yahweh. But what we find is that the assignment was something Jonah did not want to do because of his fear of the Assyrian empire. And and the Ninevites and, and the history that was there. And so he headed the opposite direction. When he received the assignment, he would have said he believed. But when he responded to the assignment, he showed that he didn't really believe that God was God. He took God off of the throne and he put himself on the throne. Because New Testament belief, biblical belief is not evidenced by what we say, it's evidenced by what we do, how we live. So Jonah didn't believe at that point. He came to believe, as we saw, and he obeyed. It's the same with us. We live in a culture where Satan has strategically caused us to think that by saying something or thinking something, we believe it. But then so oftentimes our actions are the exact opposite. And I want to challenge us today about the, what we believe, what we really believe. As we're standing at this thought buffet, what we believe is going to determine the choices that we make. And in many ways, in, in the trajectory that we take. So, does anybody need a Bible? Because we're looking at a couple of scriptures today. The first scripture we're going to look at is going to be Philippians chapter 4. Anybody need a Bible? Okay, up here. So let's talk about some trajectory-setting belief questions that we need to answer in order to define what we really believe and, what, and the choices that we're going to make. And just as a review, if you remember, um, I highlighted this idea that there, we really have two levels of the choices that we make, two levels of thought choice that we make. The first is what is in front of us, what, the, what we're going to think about. 
So if we're, um, Paul is, um, I gave the illustration of Paul in Philippi, who he wrote this book to. He's been beaten up, he's been in prison, he's put into the stocks in, in the innermost part of the jail at midnight. He and Silas have been beat up, and, and the first thought choice they have is the situation that they're in. They can't help but think about it. And that's the way we, there are things that we just were confronted with, has to, and it comes to our mind. It's that second level of what am I going to think about what I'm thinking about? What is he going to think about as he thinks about this situation that he's in? And he can throw a pity party for himself. That's one thought choice. Or he can start singing praises to God. And then God shows up and does miraculous things. So we all have those choices. We're not victims. We talked about that. We are not victims. You can choose what you're going to think about what you're confronted with. That's where we're at. So here's the thought choice. Number one, do I believe that God is worth it? Do I really believe that God is worth it? That has got to be um, at the forefront. Because I can say all I want. I believe in God. I believe I need to follow him. You know, you can know all the acronyms around here, surrender, listen, obey, knees and nudges. You know, you, you, can, you can have all of that in your head. But when it com- push comes to shove and you act, your feet will tell us if you believe it's worth it or not. And, and I put ROI there because, I, you know, that return on investment, that's a financial term. Return on investment is what I'm putting my money toward going to be worth it. Am I, what is the return that I'm going to get? It's, that's a spiritual principle as well. What is my, do I believe that my return on the investment of following God, even when it's hard, is worth it? Return on investment. So Philippians chapter four, here are the instructions that he gives to us. And we have, and so when we get to the thought buffet, we have to decide, is God worth it? Are is it worth it to do these things? Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm. Thus in the Lord, my beloved. He's, and he's talking about all that he's talked about in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Here's how you stand firm. Stand firm. When hard things come, when you're threatened, when um, believing in God and standing strong for God might cause you to lose people, finances, possessions, even your health. Is God worth it? That's, we're standing at the thought buffet. Is God worth it to stand firm? Because it's hard. Second choice. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have been labored by my side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. When you are sideways with somebody else and you don't think it's going to go well to try to resolve it, are you going, is it worth it to obey God to try to make it right? That's a hard one, isn't it? Because we've all had experiences where I tried there and it didn't go well. I tried there, it didn't go well. I tried there. And we got all of that history of going, I tried and you know what? It doesn't matter. God's not asking for result, how, how it goes. He's telling us to do all that you can to get along. 
Is God worth it? Number four, or or verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When things are going bad and you're in the innermost part of the prison, you've been beat up and now you're in stocks and you don't know if you're going to live or not, is it worth it to rejoice in the Lord? Is it worth it? Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is a hand. Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, worry. Some of you have made it a professional vocation to worry. Right? It's just, you either learned it or it's your natural personality. And here he's saying, change your vocation. Is God worth it to give up worry and let him be in charge? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Is it worth it to make that effort? Is it worth it to respond to that instead of trying to fix it? Is God worth it? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, here we go. Here's the list. You're standing at the thought buffet, and here's what you're looking for. You're looking for the label that the the waitress has put there. You know, sometimes it's on the glass, sometimes it's down there. You're looking for it. If it doesn't fall into these categories, you don't take a scoop of it. Is it true? Looking for a pan of true. Is it honorable? Take some of that. Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? If, it, if, there's a, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Those are the only pans you take anything from in your thought life. When you're thinking about what you're thinking about. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. So here in verse, the beginning of verse 9, he says, here's how you know if you really believe it or not. You're putting it into practice. You're living it out. You're not just thinking it but it actually causes your feet to go in a certain direction. Practice these things. Now, if, if, I would, if I'd underline and highlight and put arrows in my Bible, if you do that, here's a phrase to highlight. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Here, l- listen to me. Here's what makes it worth it. The God of the universe will be with you. All of those choices, all of those thought choices, all of those behavior choices that we make are worth it because it puts us in alignment with Him. It puts us in step with Him. It puts us in the place where He is free to do whatever He wants to do when He wants to do it so that we experience Isaiah 55 instead of trying to take control. Our thought choices that result in our behavior choices, the God of peace will be with you. If we go back to Genesis chapter 2, that was the original design. That is what satisfies. Here's how Jesus said it in John 17, 3. This is eternal life. This this is meaning in life. And he's not talking about when you die and you go into eternity. He's talking about spirit life, here and hereafter. He says, here's the meaning of life. 
that they, and, and, and it's a high priestly prayer. He's praying to the Father about his disciples that he's surrounded by. And so he's saying, and this is eternal life, that these people may know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ, me, whom you've sent. And that word know is a word of intimacy. It's a word used of a husband and wife having physical relationship. He says, here's the bottom line. Here's what makes life worth it. Here's what makes all of these difficult choices. When you want this, when you want to taste this, but you know this is what God wants for you. The God of peace will be with you. That, you, that we may know God in intimacy. Now flip over in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1, just a couple of pages where he, he, I just want to point back to what he's referring to. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, here's what makes it worth it. Is it worth it to stand at the thought buffet and make the choices that God wants us to make? Philippians 1, 21. For to me to live is Christ. The meaning of life is Christ, is living in alignment with Him, living in intimacy with Him, and to die is gain. Because dying removes all of the stuff that gets in the way of having this intimate relationship with God. It goes on, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Far better to be with Him. Why? Because the meaning of life here and hereafter is this intimate knowledge, walking in a relationship with Him. That's what makes it worthwhile. He said, so it'd be better because all the stuff that gets in the way will be removed. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. But obedience means I stay. And then go to chapter 3, verse 7. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain, everything. And, and if you remember our study in that passage, he had everything that success will bring. Indeed, I count everything as loss because why? The surpassing worth of knowing, intimate in alignment, Christ Jesus my Lord. What makes it worth it? intimate relationship with God, which is what we were created for in Genesis chapter 2, and that hasn't changed. It just turned upside down when sin entered. So that now we get in our heads that other things are more worth it. Oh, we wouldn't say that. But our feet show it. In the little choices that we make. As we've been going through our, our loyalty lessons, we see it over and over again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, they had to make a choice. Is God worth it? Is obeying God worth it? Worth being thrown into a fiery furnace where it looks like they will be burned to death? We read about it in the book of Ruth where Naomi had two daughters-in-law who were living with her. Their husbands had died. Naomi's headed back 
to Israel. And the two daughters-in-law have to choose. Is this new God that we've been introduced to worth it? One daughter-in-law stayed in Moab and the other went with Naomi and became Ruth, the, the ancestor of David, who was the ancestor of Jesus. Was it worth it to make the choice? But, it wasn't, but Ruth wasn't told that's what would happen. Ruth was just told, will you follow Yahweh? It's amazing how many stupid choices we make. And most of the time, the stupid ones are little choices. So here's a, here's a memory that I have um, from 15, 18 years ago. We were in Atlanta visiting my oldest son with the other kids and we're visiting. And I had found on my computer online um, a crossword puzzle app. And it was kind of a speed thing, so it added a dimension of uh, figuring out the crossword puzzles. And I love puzzles. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm just enamored by this. And I'm on the couch, and I'm playing with it. And my son says from over here, where all the kids and Sheila are getting ready to play a game, Dad, is that game more important to you than us? 18 years ago, I remember that. Because that was a stupid choice. Right? We travel all the way to Atlanta to be with them, and there I am on my computer being drawn into a game that meant nothing. Amen. You see, we make a lot of stupid choices in life. You know what? I, I also remember, do you remember when Survivor first came on? I remember people who would arrange their week to watch Survivor. And I remember thinking, don't you have a DVD record? Or don't you have something? But it just, we, we get so emotionally invested in, in that kind of stuff. The greatest value on earth is God with us. Philippians 4, 9. The God of peace will be with you. Stand at that thought buffet, and if you choose the true, the honorable, the pure, the excellent, the praiseworthy, you choose that, and you get the best thing. Is it worth it? Now, I'm not asking you an intellectual question. I'm asking you a behavioral question. By the life that you're living, the choices that you're making right now, does that prove that God is worth it? Or do you stand at that thought buffet, which impacts what you do, and you're still choosing things that aren't on the list? We all are. We just, there are places where we don't realize it yet. That's why we have to dig in, we have to lean in and listen and obey. That's the question as we stand at the thought buffet. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Am I, am I showing it? Do I believe? Second question. Do I believe that it matters? Do I really believe that it matters? Do I really believe that it matters? There are so many people that you would ask a question, and it, does it matter if you do this thing? And they'll say, yes, it matters. But then they'll do the exact opposite anyway. Does it matter if I eat too much sugar? Will that matter? Will that have an effect? Absolutely it will. And then I go eat a whole chocolate cake. 
Do you see the disconnect? Because in the cultural world, believe is here. In the biblical world, believe is with my feet. Do I believe it matters? Alistair Begg, one of my, I, I love listening to Alistair Begg. And I was listening to him as he was talking about Philippians in the last couple of weeks, and he gave this illustration. He said, um, I recall reading of a roadway in northern Canada, which apparently had a signpost in the entryway to this road that said, take care which rut you choose. You will be in it for the next 25 miles. Take care which rut you choose. In other words, rural Canada, the roads had been so worn away that once you get in, you can't get out until you arrive at another crossroads. So if you choose this one, you're stuck in it for 25 miles. That's good advice, spiritually. Because the choices that we make at the Thought Buffet determine the road we're taking determine the actions that are coming. Turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. And I put the bullet point there, we reap what we sow. Do we believe that that's true? Do we believe that we reap what we sow? Do I believe that that principle is really true? Not with my head, as American culture, but with my feet. Do I believe that what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, has me on a trajectory? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. And that, I think, is, is a powerful statement to the American culture or the Western culture. Don't lie to yourself. Believing that you can violate this principle. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So, just think of the stupidity of this. So when I go back to visit my mom in Springfield, Ohio, we were always driving around and, and my mom's got Alzheimer's. And so every time we get in the car, this time of year, repeatedly, look how tall that corn is. Isn't that, call, isn't that corn really tall? Look how tall. Did, Herb, did you know that that corn is really tall? <laughs> yeah, Mom, that's, I just, yeah. <laughs> now, here's what I know. Whoever planted that corn planted corn seeds. So I'm a genius, aren't I? I'm an agricultural genius. I'm able to, oh, I know exactly what they were doing 10 weeks ago. They were out there planting Corn seeds. Why? Because what grows is what you plant. And we all agree with that. And then we go over here and she, she goes, what, what kind of plant? I think those are soybeans. I know what the farmer was doing a couple of months ago in that field. He was planting soybean seeds. You guys are geniuses too. <laughs> then why in the world is it that we think we can plant anger and have peace? That we can plant unkindness and experience kindness. Because the devil's lied to us and we're deceived. 
we reap what we sow. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap correction. And the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you look around and you see somebody that is a godly person, it's because you can track back and know that they've been planting thoughts and actions of godliness. Of leaning into that. If you see somebody that's mean and angry and nasty, they've been planting those seeds. They've been making those choices. They've been living that way. Let us not grow weary, he says in verse 9, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now go back to Philippians chapter 4. And I want to highlight this sowing and reaping when it comes to the thought buffet. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. The reason we get anxious, when we, if we choose anxiety, is because that's, we're at the thought buffet and we're choosing to be anxious instead of choosing the things of God. Because, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's the pathway. Choosing instead of holding on to anxiety, I'm choosing to take it to God in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. I give it to God. Lots and lots and lots and lots of times. But when I do that, here's, and in our, our uh, learning communities, in our house study of the Bible, we, we discovered there are declarative statements, that is, statements of truth. And here's one of them. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I am sowing anxiety, I will experience distance from God. If I am choosing thoughts that lead me to surrender that anxiety to God by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, he says, this is what I reap. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. If you are not experiencing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it's because you're not sowing the seeds of verse 6. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's sowing seeds. Here's what you reap. What you've learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, sowing, and the God of peace will be with you. Do I believe it matters? I want to challenge you on this. Are there areas in your life where you're choosing things because you're not convinced that it matters? Now, understand, here's, here, here's our experience. We stand at a food buffet, and if, you get, and if you're at any age where you have struggled with weight or health, um, you've tried different diet plans or different exercise plans, and in after a while, you, you come to a place where you go, it doesn't matter. I can do everything that plan says. It doesn't make a difference. Anybody have that experience? So 
I'm, so I stand at the food buffet and I think, you know, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I take a little bit of impurity. Because I've learned with food, you know, I can get along, okay? I can, you, it's okay. I can, I can get along. I can, it's not going to kill me to have a little bit of, of something that's bad for me. But when you go to the spiritual realm, it will kill you. Remember the poop brownies? Remember the bug in my coffee? That kind of stuff can kill you. It only takes a little bit of cyanide. I've learned that from murder mysteries. <laughs> Arsenic. You can kill people with that. You know, there's a lot. It only takes a little bit of some stuff. And in the spiritual realm, it only takes a little bit of some stuff. So, as I'm driving here today, um, God says, here, I want, you to, I want you to remind people of this. We don't know the consequences, good or bad, of the choices that we make at the thought and action buffet. God isn't in the habit of telling us. So he didn't tell Ruth, if you will go back with Naomi and if you will worship the true, one and only true God, you will be the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't tell her that. He just said, he just invited her to worship him and do the right thing. That's where we are. We don't know the consequences. We don't know. But here's what we do know, and you might want to write this down. I would have put it as a bullet point if I had it before this morning. But here's what we do know. Because of the character of God, whatever He instructs us to choose will be good. That's a guarantee. Because of the character of God, because we know He is love as well as all-powerful, when He tells us to make the right choice, when we run it through the list and we make the choices according to Philippians chapter 4, 8, and 9, we know it's going to be good. Now, don't confuse that with being easy or tasty or fun. I'm saying good. Here's what we also know. Because the character of God and the power of God is whenever He tells us to make a choice and we make it, it will never be bad. Don't confuse that with being hard or, or painful or struggling. I'm telling you, it will be good because of the character of God. If we will do it, but we have to believe that it's worth it. So here's, here, here's the, what I, I sense as I was driving here today. October of 2019, Um, well, let me back up a step. So I'm a part of the Civil War Roundtable, which is a history group. It's not a reenactment group. Don't want anybody come up to me and say, oh, do you dress up as blue or gray? I, it's not a reenactment. It's a history group. It's a roundtable. We get together. They have speakers. But we also, in, in that group, make a spring and fall trip to Gettysburg. We used to do an adoptive monument and all that kind of stuff and then take some little tours around the, the battlefield. The fall of 2019, we had one scheduled, and I, I planned to go, and I sensed that God said, I don't want you to go. Instead, I want you to spend at least three hours with me, just with me, alone on uh, the Montour Trail, where I walk a lot. And I, initially, I, but I want to go. No, I just want you to spend that time with me. That's a choice. That's a choice. I'm standing at the Thought Buffet, 
do I want to follow God or do I want to do what I want to do? So I chose to do what God told me to do. So on that Saturday, I went out on the Montour Trail thinking God's going to tell me some good things. He's going to show me some. Hey, this is going to be wonderful. This, there's going to be music. I know from heaven. Angels are going to descend and he's going to. I went out there, nothing. And at the end of the three hours, God, I'm here. Can you just give me something? Nothing. Nothing. Sunday, I was getting ready for the message, and, and um, as I was getting ready to leave the house, um, I just kind of thought, I need something at the end of this message to wrap things up. And, and I got this nudge to turn on Caleb. And I thought, that's weird. But, okay, turned it on, and I don't even remember what the song was, but as soon as I heard it, I just started weeping. Because it was exactly what I needed. And it was exactly what that message needed. And something in that moment shifted in me. I can't explain all that it was, but there was something that happened. Um... And then, so I came, I preached, I, I played the song at the end. It, it was powerful, it was wonderful. And I just sensed that something was changing. And, and I was at the back and Don came up to me and he said, boy, that was really, I think something happened. And, and when he said that, it confirmed something shifted. And from that point on, what I noticed is I had lived with a low level kind of depression for a long time. And on that day it lifted. But it also set a trajectory. So remember what I said, October 2019. Think about what happens a few months later. And a lot of other things. Something shifted so that um, that lifted, but then um, thing, the, it, it, it changed the trajectory for me and for us that has caused four years later, those of you that were here four years ago know this. There's a depth, there's a morale, there's a connectedness within the family, there's a powerful presence of God that wasn't here, that wasn't part of my life, wasn't a part of our congregation four years ago. And it was a choice that I did. All I did, was, don't go to Gettysburg. What is that about? It's about getting aligned with him. Amen. Spend time on the trail, and he doesn't seem to show up. Now think, if at any point I don't make that choice, I, I don't follow that series of choices, maybe we're not experiencing now what he wanted us to experience. So write this down. We don't know the consequences, the results of the choices that we make. Amen. We don't know. All we know is that we have to follow the choices in order to experience Him. And another statement that I say, I think every time we have, we're preparing for a week of prayer and fasting is, we don't know what we will miss if we don't make the choices Amen. that He wants us to make. Because you don't know what you don't, you don't know. Right? You don't know what you will miss if you never experience it. 
But here's, over the last four years, here's, here's part of what I've learned. I don't want to miss a thing. Because there is no greater joy than having the God of the universe with you. Choices. We don't know the consequences of our choices. Um, and, you know, I talk about mentoring pastors and working with churches. There are people in other, cho- there are pastors and congregations in other places who are experiencing the consequences of not going to Gettysburg, spending that time with God, turning on Caleb, and allowing him to make the shift. There are people, there's Temple Miller in Michigan. Some of you are aware of her. Ken Love in Florida, David Bowen in Colorado, Kim Landman in Oklahoma, Daryl Allen in Alabama are experiencing the consequences of don't go to Gettysburg, go out on the trail, turn on K-Love, and let God work. My point is, so oftentimes those choices are so small. We don't know. And so as we stand at this thought buffet, you don't know the consequences And so you have to answer the question, is it worth it? And does it matter? It does matter. Does it matter to you? What are the choices that God is challenging you with? So I put some other bullet points there. I'm not going to spend time on them. God did it better anyway. Our thought choices determine who we become. Our thought choices determine what we do. Our thought choices determine what we have, the resources that we have to handle life. Would you bow your heads? What are the thought choices and the action choices that God is telling you to make? The little ones, especially the little ones. Maybe that you've been putting off pushing away, not thinking that they're important. The ones that he keeps circling and bringing back. What might you miss? You don't even know what you might miss. If you don't choose him, choose to follow him. Nothing wrong with going to Gettysburg. Nothing wrong with uh, list not turning on Caleb unless God tells you to do it. What are the thought choices? What are the action choices? You don't know what you might miss. You don't know what might, God might do. Jesus said it's so important that he used the analogy of chop off your hand. If it's causing you to disobey, pluck out your eye. If it's causing you to disobey, that's how important this is. Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would show us the choices that we need to make. Show us, give us a sensitivity. God, pull us to yourself. Help us to be disciplined. Help us to be passionate about following you. God, do whatever it takes to get into our lives, into our minds, and our hearts, into our souls, into our relationships, into our, every, into our behavior, everything. God, do whatever it takes. And then give us the, the passion and the, the strength and the skill to make your choices.
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When you